Hello and welcome to Care Insights with the Outstanding Society, a podcast created to share and celebrate best practice, help others to improve and learn more about the amazing career opportunities within social care. In this episode, Zoe Fry discusses the importance of research in social care with Dr Isabel Latham, researcher in residence at Hallmark Care Homes and Professor Ruth Endicott, Director of Nursing and Midwifery at the National Institute for Health and Care Research. So we'd like to welcome Professor Endicott and Dr Latham um, to our podcast around research this afternoon. Ruth, could you start by telling me a bit about yourself and the role that you're in at the moment, please? Yes, certainly, Zoe. So I'm the Director of Nursing and Midwifery at the National Institute for Health and Care Research in England. Um, So my role is to ensure that nurses and midwives, wherever they are involved in research, they get get the best opportunities, um, both from the point of view of the things that we actually provide and that we fund for people, um, but also that they feed into us the things that we should be doing next. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Ruth. And Isabel, can I can I ask the same for you, please? Yes, you certainly can. Um, I'm researcher in residence for Hallmark Care Homes, um, which is a fairly unique role, we think, in the care home sector. Um, I've only been in post since the beginning of the year. Um, so my responsibility is to work across the whole of our organisation. Um, I work with individual care homes uh, to support them to come up and deliver their own research projects on topics that matter to them. Um, But then I also help coordinate any organisation-wide research that goes on that might involve multiple homes or other organisations. And I also have a responsibility to think about and uh, I also have a responsibility to help with communicating research evidence to our frontline team um, so that they can make the best use of it in practice. Fantastic. Thank, thank you very much. And I, th- I think this is a really exciting time for social care. Um, and I think particularly with these roles evolving. Ruth, can I come back to you and can you outline to me why you think research in social care is so important and how we can maybe continue to change the perception? Yes, certainly so. So I think there's there's some some very big reasons why research in social care is important. I think the first of those is absolutely for people who are receiving social care. We know that when people are involved in research studies, they actually do better, uh, whether physically or from a mental health perspective or just their general sense of, of well-being. And people generally want to be able to contribute to research. And we get very, very few refusals for people to get engaged in research. So I think for people receiving social care, that involvement is really important, but also for, for people receiving social care, we need the absolute best evidence. So we need to generate more evidence of the, the, the things that are important to provision of social care. So it's really important that we don't try and just open more sites in social care for studies that we're already doing that are very medicalized or a very physical, physical health um, orientated, which may not at all be be appropriate, but we do we do need to actually um, pull in that that evidence. But also, I think for healthcare professionals working in social care, we we need to be able to provide opportunities for them to get involved in research. 
So we need to think, and this is what we're trying to do at the moment, to think a little bit differently uh, about actually how do we how do we put people in the best place to succeed when they apply for things? Um, and what do we need to do at NIHR to help that particular process? So I think it's it's really those two groups, the people receiving care and healthcare professionals. Fantastic. Thank you for outlining that, Ruth. Um, looking forward to hearing more at another stage. Isabel, can I come back to you and just, just maybe on, on, on that point about what, what Ruth's been saying, thinking about what the barriers might be within social care around research. Can, can I start by asking you that, please? I think that's a, a really interesting question. Um, I think Ruth sort of hinted towards some of those there already is that I think for quite a while, so much of the research focus has been within healthcare um, that a lot of the processes are um, bent towards healthcare and that doesn't fit social care. Social care and healthcare are very, very different beasts. Um, and I think it makes it very difficult for a lot of uh, social care organizations and individuals to know where to start, to know how to look for funding, um, to know how to write applications, because they don't have the same kind of research history and research infrastructure that healthcare does. And as Ruth said, I know NHR are, are doing a number of things to, to learn about that and to, to put right um, that process. I think one of the, the other barriers is, is perhaps the, the variation in social care. Um, that it's so diverse and, and it ranges from uh, home care to people with temporary illnesses and temporary needs to long-term residential care uh, for people with very advanced needs. And in terms of research, they all have very, very different challenges. Um, and so there's actually a, a, a very wide range of support that's needed for researchers and organisations um, in order to be involved uh, with research there. I think there might also be a little bit of lack of confidence in the social care sector about their ability to engage in research. I think that's misplaced confidence. They are more than capable. Um, that's why I do the job that I do. Um, but I, I, I encounter a lot of, oh, that's not really for us. Um, you know, we're, we're not up to that when actually there are the skills and the creativity there to do some really, really good research when the right resources are in place. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And, and hopefully we, we can change some of those perceptions as well. Could I just stay with you there, please, Isabel, because we, we mentioned about your role is quite unique. Um, what do you think the benefits are of having a role like this within an organisation? I think there are a number of benefits. Um, and obviously, it was one of the reasons I jumped at the chance to do such a role, because, uh, uh, you know, I thought it'd be great to explore the advantages for an organisation. I think, firstly, one of the things that it brings is that it means that the research we can do within Hallmark um, or can do connected with other organisations is led by what we as an organisation, what our care homes, what our team, what our residents, what our families want and need our research to focus on. And that links right back to the point Ruth made at the beginning that actually this is all about the people that we care for, the people that we deliver services for. 
Um, and so it's far more responsive in many respects than a lot of ways of, of delivering research because it's coming from where it, it needs to, um, to make sure that we're focused on what we need to. So I think that's one of the primary benefits. The secondary benefit is um, the, the way that we approach the research is very um, empowering and participatory. So it's not about me stepping in and doing the research. It's about me helping other people to learn the skills so that they can think in a more evidence-based way um, and that they can use research within the work that they do. Um, so in the, in the projects that we do with the homes and across the organization, it's about getting team members involved. It's about trying to find ways that residents can contribute to the process. And I think what that does overall is improve relationships um, with everybody that, that matters in those care home communities. And it helps to build skills and, and use the creativity that already exists in the sector, but often gets quite forgotten about. Um, so I think that's the second benefit. And thirdly, I think for, for us at Hallmark, it's a way that we can also try to work collaboratively outside of our own organization as well. Um, you know, to be in a position lucky enough to have a role like this, you know, not every organization can do that. Actually being able to share the findings of our projects through organizations like the Outstanding Society um, means that we can, can help the sector um, through, through that way, through those means. Fantastic. Thank you very much. It sounds like a, a really interesting role. And if I can come across to, to you, Ruth, first, first of all, um, what, what do you see the values of, of replicating these kinds of roles within other large organisations? And, and the second part of that question is, is, is what about the smaller organisations, your small, medium, um, you know, your independents? What could they be doing to get more into research? Yeah, so... Um, I, absolutely, I think Isabel's role is invaluable because one of our biggest problems, not only in, in social care, but also in a range of community care settings, primary care, you know, anything almost outside of an acute large hospital trust, there's a lack of visibility. You don't see role models. You don't see somebody recruiting somebody into a study because it happens in someone's home. So no one's there to watch. So we don't have this growing sense of, oh, actually, research is going on. And this is what research actually looks like. This is what consent means and all of those lovely things. Um, we've got some amazing opportunities at NIHR, but I'm so aware that when I'm trying to encourage people from social care to apply for things, but how do we get people to that point where they've got a track record that, that actually meets our requirements? And I think the ro roles like Isabel's are absolutely key to building up, um, yes, people's capabilities, but also people's confidence. Uh, and I would say, Isabel, there are a lot of nurses who are working in the NHS who also say, oh, that's not for me, or I don't have the skills to do that. This is, the, this is these people up here who do this. And I, one of the things that, that we focus on in nursing and midwifery at NIHR is that we want to make research sort of everyone's business. And so that means that we want everybody to either be thinking about supporting research which sometimes basically just means you don't stand in the way of it. You don't stop it happening. Um, but, you know, supporting research just means sort of spreading the word sometimes, but also then delivering research. So um, I have responsibility for the research nurse teams, clinical research nurse and midwife teams, 
who, who go out to various places delivering studies that are, that are already funded. Um, and so that delivery is really important. Uh, and so I'm interested to, to, to work with people to work out how do we do that? And so Isabel, in your kind of role, that would be, that would be me coming to you and saying, so what's the best way of delivering studies without us thinking we can parachute people in? Because that does nothing for the people who already work there. And it's so important that we build a sustainable workforce of people who are interested in research. And do you know, some of, in, in my kind of long career, which uh, has been in acute care mostly, but some of the most amazing conversations I've had have been with Banffor port workers who've got a brilliant idea of actually how to make cannulation less painful for people undergoing chemo, you know. And I, I met a, an amazing um, maternity support worker over in Great Yarmouth who was doing incredible things in research. So it's not about role, it's not about status. Um, it's just about where people are and how, how can we help people where they are uh, actually do more to just think differently, look through a different lens. And so you've got supporting, you've got delivering, and then you've got the people leading research. Uh, and there are more of those around than we think, but we need more. And so again, that's part of that building. But these things are all equally valuable, aren't they? So we don't think of the leaders in the, in the same way as we might do traditionally. They're not the people out in the front necessarily. They're just dealing with a different part of this research thing than the people who are supporting research and the people who are delivering it. And uh, it's just so important to get that ethos across that this isn't just for the great and the good that do this amazing stuff. It's, it's absolutely for, for everybody. Um, and so I think that's where in the smaller independence, one of the biggest challenges again is that visibility, isn't it? So we need to, we need to find ways of reaching them and reaching them in ways they want to be reached. So working out actually what's, what's the first stage for them, which is going to be very different in different places. And sometimes um, one, of the, one of the most uh, motivating things to do is to just talk to people about the problems they've got in delivering whatever service they're delivering. And then you suddenly start to have a bit of an evidence-based practice conversation or a gap in evidence conversation that we do this, but we don't know why it works, or we never do this, or people don't do this even though we tell them to. And those are starts of research ideas, aren't they? So I think if we can start those conversations in, in smaller places too, but the opportunity to pull people together, you know, give them you know, half an hour out of their day, even if they come online to just have a chat about research ideas or, or practice challenges. If we can talk about sort of practice challenges and then that leads into research, that's a really neat way of, of people. People do want to talk about the stuff that doesn't work. And they're talking about research there potentially as well without necessarily uh, realizing it. And we have to start the, that way with lots of people. <laughs> it's, I don't think that's a particular uh, social care um, problem necessarily, but I, I think there are lots of different ways that we can think about this. And we're really, really keen on um, having input from people who can tell us how we can be doing things differently too. I, I think that's brilliant. And and I think I think the way that you split it down there, I think was really, really important because I think people um think about research as as a huge project that 
but how are we going to do this within independent homes? But I think the, the Vivaldi study is a prime example of, of actually lots of different people can get involved. And, and we're pleased to say that lots of small independents are actually wanting to be part of that study, which is going to be a very simple process for them. Um, but, but it will help them be enthusiastic with their teams, help with recruitment, with retention. Um, and to be part of a national study is, is I think, amazing for social care. Um, Isabel, can I just come back to you and and ask your views on on what Ruth has just said and any suggestions that that you you think of that that we could come up with to help with this? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I I sort of very much agree with everything that that Ruth said there. It's not going to be a particularly controversial chat here. Um, I think it's there are very different challenges in different types of organisations. Um, I think the the role that we have at Hallmark actually originated from its own research study. Um, so it was a previous project that I was involved with um, called the Care Home Researcher in Residence Model. Um, and it investigated whether a model like this would work. Um, would it help engage care homes in research? Um, and one of the things very much that, that was, was one of the findings from that project um, was that making sure that the researchers, whoever it is that is doing the data collecting or raising the awareness with the organisations, making sure that those individuals have a very real understanding of those organisations was absolutely fundamental to the success of the model. Um, a lot of the feedback that we got within that was that the care homes could work with the researcher in residence model because the researchers in residence had care home experience and not only from doing research in care homes, but actually from understanding how they work on a Sunday when two people are off sick, there's not a manager around, you know, and, and being able to show that to participants, to potential co-researchers that you understand creates the right kind of relationship for strong research to develop. But I think too often that understanding doesn't necessarily exist through no one's fault, um, but because we almost have two different streams trying to come together, we have the people who work in health and social care and then we have the people who research when actually we need to be drawing those together far more closely because you have to have knowledge and experience of both to make your research the most effective um, and I, I can share um, some information about the, the charm project with you later Zoe that you can uh, share on the app and things if that would be helpful that would be really helpful. Thank you very much, Isabel. And Ruth, can I come back to you to, to ask you to tell us a bit more about CRED, please? Certainly, Zoe. So the CRED is, uh, stands for Care, Research, Education and Debate. And CRED, there are, there are a series of CRED stalks credit talks that are about to start um, shortly uh, next month, next week, in fact, on the 2nd of November is, is the first of these credit talks. And what these credit talks do is they provide a forum for people who are working in social care to access research findings that are relevant to their everyday work, rather than trying to find a study about infection control that, that was conducted 
in an acute ward in a hospital actually what what actually do we need to know in our particular setting for our particular um, either our residents the people we're supporting and so on um, and also to learn how to get involved in research and i suspect that once people start logging into these they'll find that actually it's a place where the stuff that goes on in the chat is as important as the things that actually the speaker is saying and it's just that sense of trying to draw people together and giving them an opportunity to, to both hear about the amazing things that are going on for research in social care and Professor Deb Sturdy is leading the first one of these isn't she so so you know you're hearing from the person who's got a seat at the table at DHSC so that that's actually really important but such a lovely grounded person um, who who actually is, is going to be really important to this but it but it's it's that that dual purpose of learning things but also making people think a bit about well where do I go from here what do I what do I take from this am I sitting here on behalf of the place I'm working and therefore do I need to feed things back or is it just a personal journey that I'm on I want actually some professional development for myself um, and that's really really important as well because we know that for retention of staff that is is absolutely key and um, so so cred uh, I'm looking forward and I'm, I'm aware by the time this podcast goes out I'm sure the first cred talk will have already happened but uh, look out for the cred talks because you'll be able to find them online anyway um, but yes they're, they're going to be a really important platform brilliant thank you really excited about that thank you very much and Isabel, if I can come back to you now to finish off, if you had one piece of advice for providers starting their journey um, within research, what would this be? Um, that's a good question. Um, mm. I think it would be to make sure to pay attention to the, the talents and skills you've got in-house. Um, don't always look externally. Or if you are linked externally, how can you use that to, to build what you've got in-house? For example, one of the, the uh, projects that we're working on currently in, in Hallmark is to, to gather some evidence around the impact of a, a tool to identify social isolation that was uh, designed by a member of our team. Um, a, a lifestyles lead who just came up with the idea because she recognized it was a need. And actually, you know, to be able to investigate that and explore that and build on that helps with things like retention and, and um, recruitment because it shows that you're valuing people. But it also, you know, gets the information from where it matters. Um, that if team are recognising that that's a problem that we need to, to explore, um, then it likely is a problem that you need to explore. Um, so I think be as connected to those skills and talents that you've got in the, your team, because they're not always recognised um, as, as being that, even by people themselves. Um, so I think anything you can do to build that is really important, particularly in, in these times of, of workforce challenges. Absolutely. I think that's a fantastic bit of advice. Thank you very much. Well, I'd like to thank, thank Dr. Latham and Professor Endicott for being part of this valuable discussion around research in, in social care. Many thanks. The Outstanding Society is a community interest company. It's free to join and is open to everyone. You don't need to have an outstanding rating to be a member.